Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Christ is risen. He is alive. Jesus is alive. And I hope this message finds you well this morning. I'm hoping to catch something of the sunrise. Let's see what happens. But uh, I miss you guys. And it's wonderful that we can celebrate Easter today. There was an article on Facebook a few days ago. And it went something like this. It said after the president's news conference was over, one of the reporters made the observation that for the first time in our nation's history, we won't be celebrating Easter. The writer went on to write, well, let me tell you one thing, he's dead wrong. Absolutely right. And I like what Belinda said. She commented on this and she said, Amen. Easter can't be cancelled. My Redeemer lives. Spot on. And that's right. A few things might be cancelled this year. We might not be able to attend an event. We might not be able to perform certain traditions. But those are more external things. And I'm actually quite excited that those things have been stripped away. And nothing, of course, nothing can stop us from worshipping the Lord and celebrating that Jesus is alive. The fact that He is risen is absolutely key to our Christian faith. In 1 Peter 1 verse 3 it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope. And this part is really important. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's no resurrection, there's no new birth, and there's no living hope. Timothy Keller said this, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on, on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like what he said or his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, there was something similar here. And the background of this chapter is that there was error in the church, fundamental error. The people had assimilated some local teachings and they stopped believing in the physical re resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you can see in this chapter, Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, uses almost a whole chapter to correct this error. And I want to read portions of that from verse 3. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep so he's basically saying yeah guys if you don't believe me go and ask them they'll testify to this then he appeared to james and to all the apostles and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born so this is amazing over they say over the period of about six weeks jesus was raised from the dead and he appeared to more than 500 people. I like what one person said. He said, 
if one or two people hallucinate and they see the same thing, it's quite a coincidence. But for more than 500 people to see the same thing, it's, it's pretty much rock solid. I love the testimony of a man called Lee Strobel. His wife came to faith in Jesus Christ and as an atheist he was very, very skeptical of her and her faith. And so he made it his mission as a journalist to disprove Christianity. And what he did was he targeted the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knew if he could disprove the resurrection that the whole argument would come crashing down. And so what's amazing in this testimony is as he sought out to disprove this, and I believe a big part of it is God had mercy on him and opened up his eyes. But in this process, he got saved himself. He realized that there was so much evidence for the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ that in the end, he put his faith in Jesus. And I just want to say, I recommend the movie Case for Christ. I recommend his, his work. Um, if you want to check that out, go for it. It's good stuff to build up our faith. I actually didn't want to spend too much time on all the evidence, but, but there are such key things in this. There are things like, did you know that Jesus would have been buried in a solid rock tomb? And that the stone that was placed in front of that tomb would typically weigh about two tons. They would get the stone there with levers, and then once the stone was there, they would get a, a seal. A seal was placed over it, and... What it says here is there was a Roman guard of strictly disciplined fighting men that were stationed to guard the tomb. And if there was any tempering on the seal, there would be serious punishment for, for the Roman soldiers according to the Roman law. So all of these things add up to say that no man tampered with this. Christ was risen from the dead. But, but despite all of this, I think one of the most telling testimonies is that of the, the lives of the early Christians. I mean, they went from cowards running away to boldly testifying and proclaiming the risen Lord. And they didn't get financial gain from this, status or prestige, but actually what happened was they were beaten, they were stoned to death, they were thrown to the lions, Every, almost every means possible was used to try and shut these guys up. But they, they, was, they had their convictions and they knew the truth and they couldn't keep quiet about the risen Lord. And that in itself is, is huge evidence for me that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is what some clever people say about this. Somebody called E.M. Blakelock is a professor of classics at the Auckland of University. I claim to be an historian. My approach to classics is historical, and I tell you that the evidence for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ is better authenticated than most of the facts of ancient history. A Harvard Law professor, Dr. Simon Greenleaf, has this to say, according to the laws of legal evidence used in the courts of law, there is more evidence for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than just about any other event in history. And the last one I'd like to use is that of Billy Graham. He said this, there is more evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. 
So we see here that the, the evidence is overwhelming and I didn't want to spend too much time on this, but I encourage you friends, do your research, look these things up. It, it edifies our faith and it builds our faith. This is a reasonable faith that we have. But what I'm really excited to speak about today is what does it mean for you and for me that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, that He is raised to that He was raised from the dead. What does that mean? What are the implications for you and me? And honestly, I believe we could speak about this forever. But one of the things I wanted to focus on this morning is that we do not have to live in fear anymore because Jesus was raised from the dead. Because He is alive, we don't have to fear. And I've actually heard Uncle Derek and Uncle Peter quote this song before, but I, I don't think I've heard it myself. But I looked up the words and they're profound. Do you recognize this? It says, this child can face uncertain day because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives there's such a tremendous victory that jesus christ has accomplished for us and friends it's it's really my prayer that we would know more and more what that victory is and that we would in, we would walk in it increasingly more and more i wonder well, the sun is starting to come up <laughs> what's amazing for me is how we share in the victory of Jesus Christ. And this always reminds me of a friend I have. He's a passionate shark supporter. He's a work colleague. And if the Springboks lose, it's okay. But if the Sharks lose, you know about it on Monday morning. You can see he's a bit grumpy and that sort of thing. But what's interesting for me is the way that my friend talks. When I've heard him talk about the rugby, he'll say things like, yeah, we were passing well on the weekend and I love the way that we broke the line and our lineouts are looking good, our scrum is looking strong. And I was just thinking, the way he was talking, I was thinking it's almost as if he's on the field playing there with the players. Even though he's in Pretoria somewhere screaming his lungs out, he, he's not really on the field, but just the kind of true passionate supporter is, he's sharing in the victory of his team. And it just got me thinking how much more in Christ because God has said so, we share in the victory of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it says, It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. God has made us to be in Christ. And so, in Romans 6 verse 5, it says, If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. We share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That is incredible. He did it all. We receive this by grace, by faith in Him. It's a gift. But wow, we share in the amazing victory of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. That's what it says in Romans 6 verse 9 onwards. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. This part is important for us. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way, this is an accounting term. We need to reckon ourselves now 
dead to sin and alive to God. We share in what Christ has done. It's amazing. We share in the victory. This is something to get excited about, what Jesus has accomplished for us. Because He lives, the old is gone and the new has come. I'm a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. Because He lives, I don't have to live in fear because He holds my life in the palm of His hand. Amen. One of my favorite scriptures is 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. What a victorious God we serve. He always leads us in victory. There's such an amazing victory in Jesus. And, and I'm challenged when I read scriptures like this. I shouldn't be walking around moping, feeling sorry for myself. Even in the tough conditions we find ourselves in, there is such an amazing victory in Christ, something which we can really celebrate. If we look at Matthew 28, and what happened over there is, is the two Marys went to go and visit the tomb of Jesus and they got a big shock of course because he wasn't there anymore and, and this is what it says from verse 5 the angel said to the woman do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen just as he said and in Matthew 16 verse 21 we see that Jesus told them very clearly that he needs to go to Jerusalem he will go to Jerusalem he will suffer at the hands of the chief priests and those guys. He will die and three days later, he will be raised to life. And so Jesus, he is who he said he is. He has never lied to us. He has fulfilled every prophecy. And the angel is confirming that, yeah, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see, he's gone. This is proof. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, and this part is so key for me, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And that part for me is so significant. That last part, do not be afraid and go and tell the brothers. It's prophetic and significant for us in the situation that we find ourselves right now. You see, the disciples then were confused. They were disillusioned. They were afraid. Some of them even went back to fishing. They thought all hope was lost. They wondered what was going on. Jesus is gone now. But Jesus wanted them to know He is alive. You've got nothing to worry about. He is who He said He is. He's still in control. And he, so He told Mary to go and tell them. And I feel like for some of us also, we might be confused. We might be shocked. There was quite a bomb was dropped for many of us last week Thursday when we heard that the lockdown would be extended. Maybe you're asking the question, what will happen to my business? How will I finish school? What about the economy? Will I receive a full salary? All of these questions might be plaguing you. But Jesus says to us again today, He is alive. Do not be afraid. He is alive. Mother Teresa said this, and I think it's so powerful. Never let anything so fill you with sorrow 
is to make you forget the joy of Christ risen. Never let anything so fill you with sorrow as to make you forget the joy of Christ risen. May we never lose sight of that victory. And I wondered if we would have, have clouds this morning and, and sometimes there will be clouds. The sun is always shining, but sometimes there are clouds. And because of those clouds, we can't see the sun. And sometimes with the circumstances we find ourselves in, difficult circumstances, sometimes we lose sight of the risen Lord. Sometimes we lose sight of His promises. And friends, I just want to encourage us this morning. He says to us, do not be afraid. He is risen. May we never lose sight of the victory we have in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And we can get some major encouragements from this. I just want to focus on two portions and read that to us today. Romans 8 verse 28 says this. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His plan and purpose. I love that first part, God who is deeply concerned about us. Please know that truth this morning. He is deeply concerned about every one of us. He knows how many hairs we have on our heads. He keeps track of that. If you've got no hair on your head, He keeps track of the hairs in your beard or, or whatever. He knows us intimately and He's deeply concerned for us. He's not flippant or impersonal in this time at all. And what a promise that second part is. Our God is so redemptive. He is able to work for good in any situation, any lockdown, any coronavirus, any failing economy situation. Our God is able to work for good even in those. And so we always have hope with Jesus. He is our living hope. We always have hope with Him. It goes on to say then, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then I'd like to read a portion of the last part of the chapter. It says this, who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Or tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or corona, or lockdown, or the rand dollar, or schools being closed? None of these things. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through Him who loved us. And I'm reading through the Amplified Version, just so you know. And I love what it says here. Firstly, speaking into identity. Do you know that God says, not man, God says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ. When I hear that, it makes me want to stand up straighter and just realize the victory that I have in Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. If you're sitting with somebody this morning, I don't want to be cheesy, but say to them, do you know you are more than a conqueror? If you're sitting by yourself, just say, thank you, Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror because of you. And that part there, it says we have an, we gain an overwhelming victory. Overwhelming. It reminds me of the word overflowing. There's such a victory in Christ, and it reminds me of the victory that Joseph had. It was such a victory that it overflows to others. With Joseph, it blessed the whole nation. With us personally, and I trust as a church, corporately, 
the victory that we have in Christ, may it overflow to bless the world. May the world receive healing, hope, the gospel, as we experience the victory of Christ. May it overflow to the world and bless the world. Amen. Let me carry on reading. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, what a victory. And it's so key that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm reminded of what 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And friends, it's my prayer for us that in this time, the perfect love of the Father would push out, which would drive out all fear. Will fear come knocking? Yes, of course it will. There will be things that happen. There will be things that are announced. There might be things that happen close to home which would really cause us to fear. But we don't have to live in that fear in Christ. We May His perfect love push it out. As we remain in Him, as we trust Him, as we keep our eyes on Him, may the love of the Father surround us and drive that fear out. Our lives are in His hands. Amen. I'm nearly done. The plane is coming into land now. And I just wanted to finish with two practical points and a scripture. So how can we walk in this victory more and more? I like yeah, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 3 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So our position, having repented of our sins and putting our, put our faith in Jesus, means that we are raised with Him. That is our position in Christ. And now the scripture is giving us some practical instructions. Since you have been raised, since your position is seated with Christ in heavenly places, do these things. Set your hearts and your minds on things above. And how do we do this? I've got just two, two points and I, for me the first one is worship and I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. When in doubt, worship. When in doubt, worship. And of course He is worthy of our worship. As we remembered on Friday, greater love has no one than this that laid down His life for His friends. He is worthy. Jesus is worthy of our worship always. And so we worship Him first and foremost because He is our God and King and He is so worthy. But one of the wonderful things about worship is it takes our minds and our hearts off ourselves, off the circumstances, and we lift up our view to our Savior and our Lord and we remember Him. Worship is actually such a powerful weapon in these times. So I encourage you, when in doubt, when feeling confused, overwhelmed, or whatever situation, worship the Lord. The second practical point I have is just to ask ourselves the question, what stirs up my affection for Jesus? What stirs up my affections for Jesus? And what robs my affections for Jesus? And I just remember 
Sean in, in course he explained something so well. He just used the analogy of in terms of eating a healthy diet. It can't be, well, it's okay for me to eat healthily and then every now and again have a little bit of junk food, have some, choc some chocolate ice cream and whatever. Every now and again, that's fine to enjoy a treat. But the problem comes in when I'm for breakfast, lunch and supper, I'm having ice cream and then every now and again, I'm having a side of veggies. If I do that, my body will take serious strain. I'll get unhealthy, I'll get sick. And it's the same with the spiritual life. I can't spend the whole day watching Netflix and then just spend a little bit of time with the Lord. If I'm sowing into that the whole time, that's what I will reap. And so friends, I just wanted to say, especially in this time, let's be careful how we're spending our time. Let's be careful how we're sowing our time. Let's, um, let's make the most of this time. In many ways during this lockdown, one of the good things is a lot of the busyness and things that we get busy with, some of those things have been taken away. So we, we really have some quality time to spend with the Lord and to seek Him. Let's make the most of it. We're all different. And so I was just thinking how for my wife, what stirs her affections for Jesus is to spend time in the morning listening to worship. She loves to listen to worship and then to journal a bit and read the Word. And when she does that, she feels refreshed in the Lord and strong. For me, I'm quite different. I like to, to move around. I like to keep moving. And so I'll get up and I'll pace up and down the room. Or if I can, I'll, I'd like to get outside and walk and pray. I love to pray through the things that are on my mind and, and then to read the Scripture. And when I read the Scripture, I often have a lot more to pray about. And so that's how I get recharged in the Lord. And, and we're all different. And maybe it's good to ask yourself the question this morning, how do you get recharged in the Lord? And don't neglect those things. Do those things. Become strong in Him. I know that even in this lockdown period, Paul White sent me a message that said, join me on the push-up challenge, 100 push-ups every day. And I actually thought that is such a brilliant idea because consistency is such a good thing. If you can do that every day, it will, it will definitely have a significant effect. And, it's, and even with the, the, all the eating during the lockdown period, those 100 push-ups a day are helping a lot. So thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, but let's ask the Lord, what stirs my affections for you, Jesus? And let's, let's do those things. In conclusion, I want to share this scripture. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And have conquered it for you. Amen. And so friends I trust that we can take courage this morning. Because of who Jesus is. Because he is raised to the right hand. He's risen. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. I pray for all of us that we would walk in that victory more and more. We don't have to live in fear. Thank you, Jesus. Can I pray for us, please? Father, we want to first and foremost celebrate you this morning. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you are the risen King, that you are at the right hand of the Father, that you are glorified. And because you live, 
we don't have to fear. Jesus, we celebrate and we worship you this morning. We thank you for who you are to us. We thank you for your amazing victory. And we thank you, Jesus, that we can share in that amazing victory. Father, I want to thank you for your church. I want to thank you for your people that are precious to you. I thank you, Father, that you are deeply concerned for us. And Father, I want to thank you that your perfect love drives out all fear. Father, may we remain in your love. May we know your love, Lord. I pray, Lord, give us a deeper revelation of the victory we have in Christ this morning. Father, I thank you for your hand upon everyone. I thank you, Lord, that we, as you said, can be of courage because of who you are. Father, I thank you for your peace and your blessing upon your people. Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. I trust that you'll be blessed and have a wonderful day with your family. We miss you a lot. God bless you and God keep you. Amen.